DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 as Sunderland made a statement in the championship this weekend, thumping Southampton by five. And now he puts in the ball to the far post oh! and it's down! Oh, it's a goal! Chris Rigg heads it in! Sunderland do score! We've also got a new leader in the championship as Preston North End hold top spot after Leicester's winning run came to an end. Hull climb into the top six after inflicting Leicester's first defeat of the season. Liam Delap gave them a 15th-minute lead. Tigers beat the Foxes. Leicester nil, Hull won. And Middlesbrough are in a world of pain after their worst start to a league campaign in the club's history. You know, we've got to accept it. Uh, it's, it's on my own percent. We are taking responsibility for that, the performance, and um, we need to improve. And as, as a group, we, we, we've got to be stronger. Maybe this comes at a good time, this break, for us to, to regroup. So many incredible results and storylines this week in the EFL. We'll also talk about Scott Brown after he was dismissed as Fleetwood boss following their winless start. We'll also review the summer transfer window business with which clubs impressed and which clubs are still looking a little bit short. I'll be alongside Dave Edwards to discuss all of that and more over the next hour on EFL All Access. Hello there, I am Hugh Wizencroft. Thank you all for listening to EFL All Access. We've got a very busy hour on the way, as you just heard. I'm delighted to say alongside me the former Wales, Wolves and Reading midfielder Dave Edwards. Hi, Dave. Hi, Hugh. You all good? I'm doing well, mate, but I've got to say, I, I, I drew the short straw in pretty much English and Scottish football this weekend uh, because I went to the only nil-nil in the Premier League, the Championship, League One and the Scottish Premiership. There you go, Leeds United nil, Sheffield Wednesday nil. The less said about that, the better, although we will get into Lewis Sinistera a little bit later on. Uh, and also the game that you were at, the Bet365 as well. There were a load a big talking point uh, this weekend in the championship. We've got to start with, for me, the shock result, really. I did not see this coming. I know that Sunderland have been such an exciting team to watch last season at times. They've had a number of changes. A number of those players were either on loan or have left the club this summer. So to get back to that free-scoring, young, vibrant team this weekend and thrash one of the favourites, Southampton, by five goals to nil at the Stadium of Light was something to behold. Mickey Gray described it as all over the place and embarrassing from Southampton during the commentary here on Talk Sport 2. Before I get your view on it, Dave, uh, let's hear from Russell Martin. Very bad day at the office for his side, and he was scathing after that defeat. They were brilliant, and we have to make sure it's the toughest day we have with, it, with, with everyone together. And... Um... We have to learn from that, but you can't start the game like that and go two 0 down here when the crowd's right up for it. And we actually responded quite well for 20 minutes. Real threat, really dangerous, and then the third goal goes in, and then well, it's impossible from there really. And uh, we spoke at half time, brilliant chance to show some character and togetherness. We went out looking really, feeling really sorry for ourselves and conceded the fourth goal. And then the fifth goal sums us up. We let the guy do three turns in the middle of the pitch, in the middle of our half, and then cross the ball. And then we, I think we're 4v2 in our favour and we concede. I'm pretty sure if one of our players does that in their half, he's going to end up on, well, with some sort of contact made with him by a Sunderland player. And that's the difference in the, in the two teams today. <laughs> Polite from Russell Martin. Yeah, a little bit of contact would have come if you start doing moves like that in the middle of the pitch, but they didn't. Southampton were off it, Dave. They were two goals down inside eight minutes. 
What did you make of their performance and, and the wider context? Do you think there are bigger concerns at hand for Saints? They've, they've conceded the most goals in the division so far, albeit nine of those goals were conceded in two games. I don't think it's it's huge concerns. Obviously, conceding five goals. I think when you look at the timings of the goal, a decision which I think went against them at 2-0, the penalty claim, I felt that was a penalty. And if they score a goal there, it might just be able to lift them and get them back into the game. But I think they've, they've got such a good side for this level. Um, if they'd have won on Saturday, they'd have gone top of the league. So it's, it's not a disaster. And sometimes when you have a result like this, um, as a player, it can actually help because you kind of understand the situation you're in. You don't want this mentality that Russell Martin was talking about there to, to creep in where you're not trying as hard as what you should be every every single week. You're winning games too easy and things like that. So I think that it might be a bit of a blessing in disguise. As much as it hurts Russell Martin, it'll hurt the players as much as he's going to have a, a long international break. I think getting that out of the way and realigning what Southampton need to be this season. Um, and we all know the way Russell Martin wants to play. They are going to be vulnerable at times because they're so open. But a lot of it just came down from hard work, um, having that belief that they were going to get back into the game, their mindset more than anything. And I think Russell Martin will will need to make sure the players understand that's where they went wrong. It's not the ability they've got. They're good enough to to be in that promotion race this season. Um, but if they can just get over that as quickly as possible, it might just turn out to be a good thing. There's part of me that... Uh, we're going to come on to Enzo Maresca and the way that he reacted to Leicester's defeat in a minute. But there's part of me that thinks sometimes Russell Martin is a little bit too intense. Now, I think this is actually the time for it. You've lost 5-0 away from home. You know, If you're going to be uh, really angry at any point in time, then, then this is it. But I, I do think at times he is setting such high pressure on himself. It's not just about his time at Southampton I'm really talking about either. That pressure then comes on the players. Is there a sense that Russell Martin could have maybe been, it kind of sounds silly to say you've lost 5-0, but just a little bit more together, united with the players on it. I know he apologised afterwards, but it felt like he set the tone of almost separation that like he as a manager hadn't done anything wrong on the day and it was all about the players. Do you, do you feel like I'm anywhere near the truth on that? I, I think partially. Yeah, I do. I think when Russell Martin comes out to do his press conference after the game, it's it's so quick. There's so much emotion that's just gone on. He's obviously had a, given the team a bit of a dressing down at half time, and then they've come out and conceded the fourth goal straight away. His, his head must be all over the place. And, and as a manager, you set up the team, and when they go over that white line at three o'clock or twelve thirty on this occasion on on a Saturday, then it's 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 up to them, and you are a little bit helpless on the sideline. So I do understand where he comes from, but the best managers I've ever worked for, they regardless of your performance, they will take the blame themselves first and foremost. They'll come out and say it was it was them who didn't get it right. They will protect the players inside the dressing room, um, but I do feel that he was trying to send them a little bit of a message as well, just to say, this is not acceptable. You you can't come up to Sunderland and perform like that and get turned over five. And if you've got any ambition of getting promoted from this league, this has to be a one-off. And I think he's trying to make a bit of a statement, but we have heard it in the past from him, haven't we? So at times at, at Swansea, he would come out and and speak about the, the players and the performances. Um, but on this occasion, I think it, it's justified, but he, he does need to keep the players on side because as soon as you mm. lose 
is then it is is game over. So he has to be careful about how he does it, especially in public. You can say what you want behind the scenes, um, but I do think the emotions of just getting dropped five nil at, at Sunderland would have come into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Russell Martin gets a little bit of leeway, but he did make a statement. I've got to say, Sunderland made a statement as well. Really impressed by their young players. Tony Mowbray once again looks like he might have a really exciting team. And, and look, we'll talk about the transfer window a little bit later on, but keeping Jack Clark absolutely massive. You just watch him every time carrying the team forward. They looked quick. Uh, they looked like they had tenacity, the right kind of intensity. They were ready for it. Pierre Equa, a couple of goals in the game, but really impressive uh, throughout as well and uh, really deserved victory for Sunderland. So congratulations to them. Uh, Southampton move on licking their wounds. Let's talk about Leicester City because they lost their winning record at home versus Hull City. They were beaten 1-0 thanks to Leon Delap's winner. Um, Hull sit in the top six. So I do want to give uh, some credit to Liam Rossini once again. But I, but I was intrigued by, again, the calmness of Enzo Maresca. He said afterwards, we cannot think that we're going to win every game. Defeat is normal in football. And I actually thought that tone was really interesting because Leicester City are, for many people, the favourites to win the title. But actually, you know, his persona and his calmness and the way that he's approached this job early on, I actually think that might be impressive over the course because you've been there and there will be ups and downs over the roller coaster of the season. There will be. There's no way a team is going to go and win every single game in the championship. That's just, it's not going to happen. They've, they've had such an amazing start. And I think that's rebuilt the belief at Leicester City. It's got the fans on side quickly. I think they've had a terrific window as well, adding to what already was a, a terrific squad. Um, and it also seems now they've got a manager who has the that mentality of, being a winner, but then not getting flustered under pressure. I think that, that's what it oozed of in that interview. And obviously there's hints of Pep in that when, when Pep Guardiola loses football matches, it's never a disaster, is it? It's always, right, we can refocus and go again. And that was very much what I read from that, from Enzo Maresca. It's, it's part of the process. We're going to lose games of football. It's going to be how we react. Um, and they'll, they'll go back and look at the game and see what went wrong. And I think ultimately in the game, they... They had enough chances and things like that, but just maybe not enough clear-cut chances and didn't work the goalkeeper enough. Um, but on the flip side, it's it was another terrific performance from Hull, wasn't it? And yeah. Loving the work Liam Rossini is doing there. I think they've had a very good window also. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not panic stations for for Leicester at all. They've, they've got such a good a good team and you can tell that the fans have taken to the manager as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic from Hull City, uh, who pressed the ball really well, who were tenacious. And I think uh, Liam Rossini was talking about, you know, the confidence builder that that result would have been. And I think for a lot of us, our eyes have, have maybe been opened to the potential that Hull City will be a very difficult side to face throughout this season. He's doing very, very well. Another manager uh, who's doing exceptionally well at this point in time is Ryan Lowe, because Preston North End are top of the championship. Victory away at Stoke City this weekend. A Will Keane double was the difference in the game. Dave, you were at the game. So tell me, what were your main observations? Uh, I was I was actually in the Preston end, in the away end as well. So I <laughs> I kind of, I used to play with Ryan Lowe when I was a young lad at Shrewsbury and he was still playing and, and me and a friend went to watch and we took our kids as well. So it was absolutely bouncing in that away mm. end. They are loving everything that Ryan Lowe's doing and the, and the team he's got. And from a, a tactical point of view, it was just the perfect away performance. They they give very little away. It was it was a very flat performance from Stoke, but 
I think that comes from how good um, Preston were. They were so disciplined. They so rigid in their shape, so hard to break down. And towards the end of the game, cross after cross was coming into the box. But the centre-backs were brilliant. They're just a very workmanlike team who do all the basics really well. They're honest as the day is long. Um, and then they have a little bit of star quality at the top end of the pitch, which can help turn those nil-nil draws into wins in the likes of... Will Keane got the goals, but it was the the introduction of Dwayne Holmes at halftime, which which changed the game a bit of pace, and he played a big part in both goals. So he's got a really good thing going there, and I think it's it's fundamentally built on a good group of players who will who will do everything for Ryan Lowe, and that team spirit can can take you a long way. Let's quickly hear from the man himself, uh, Ryan Lowe, the PNE manager. Uh, his side sitting top of the championship table. He now knows that they will be a target to be knocked down. Listen, we'll enjoy the moments where we are now. That, that's fine. There's five games in. There's still loads of games to play. We won't get carried away because you're there to be beaten and knocked off. But why wouldn't you enjoy it? There's some tough teams in this division. And, you know, If you're there for a long time or a short time, it doesn't matter. You, you've earned the right to get there because we've got that many points. So we'll just keep doing the right things, keep building, keep working hard. Don't get too carried away, never too high, never too low. And we'll, we'll, we'll have a little break now and then we'll go for the next one. The important thing for Ryan Lowe's side, very quickly, Dave, is a goal scorer because they, they defensively have been very good already this season. The start of last season, they were excellent defensively. They just weren't scoring the goals. Dwayne Holmes, I thought, was excellent off the bench, but it's Will Keane and that focal point that could be the difference for them. It is because he, he didn't have a lot of chance in the game, but he was he was clinically gets himself in between the posts. We know he's technically a very good player and linking play and things like that, but knowing when the ball goes out wide and you're going to have a striker who's in the right place at the right time, and when they get the opportunity, more often than not, they're going to put it away. Um, that is vital. And that's the difference between a Ryan Lowe side, which is going to finish mid-table, or one that's going to really push into the playoff picture. Um, they had Cameron Archer from... Aston Villa a few years ago, and that was that was huge for them. That was their goal scorer, whereas they really lacked it, especially last season. So hopefully for for Ryan Lowe and the Preston fans, Will Keane can be that big difference, the one that's going to move them up the table five or six places this season. Okay, more still to come from the Championship when we return, including a difficult time for Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough. But you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport, made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello and welcome back to EFL All Access. I am Hugh Wizencroft alongside Dave Edwards, the former Wells and Wolves midfielder, as we look back at the weekend that was, as we head into the international break, of course, for the championship. Still games to come uh, in League One and Two at the weekend. But let's stick with the championship for now, Dave. Um, and I wanted to start by asking you about Middlesbrough, um, who look a shell of the team that we saw last season. A 2-0 defeat at the Riverside to Queen's Park Rangers. Middlesbrough and bottom of the table after five games, minus eight goal difference. And it is officially the worst start to a league campaign in the club's history. That is an unenviable record, of course, but it's the kind of record that makes you wonder if during this period the Middlesbrough board are going to be sitting down and thinking, what is the future under Michael Carrick? Um, I think, though, for many of us, we can put a finger on what's gone wrong for, for his side, particularly when it comes to the change in the, in the personnel that, he has at his disposal 
do you still though think that it's kind of dropped beneath that kind of minimum level? I, I don't think that um, Michael Carrick will be any any sort of danger um, as of yet after what happened last season. Um, but you'll be the same. You you would never have seen this start happening mm-hmm. after that Middlesbrough team at the end of last season. Um, I was lucky enough to do a few commentaries on on some of their games and. And they look like the complete football team. Um, they really did. And of course, they've they've lost players. They've lost Chu Rackpom, who was obviously huge for them. Um, and then you look Ryan Giles. He played a big impact on that left hand side. So it's it's not quite the same side. But there's no way they should be in the position that they're in. Um, but I, I fully affect the the Borough fans to be fully behind Michael Carrick, and especially up until another six or seven games, just to see if they can get themselves back in amongst it. Michael Carrick was his interview after the game. He said there's still a lot of good things happening at the football club, just the results aren't quite there. Um, but it's a results industry and he needs to turn it around quickly. He's he's definitely got enough credit in the bank. Um, that's for sure with the fans and with the owners. Um, but he's going to have to turn it around quickly. Yeah, I think one of the things that was key for me with Middlesbrough um, has been their window. Now, Michael Carrick was saying we don't want to focus on loan players because... We don't want to be developing players for elsewhere. We've shown that we can do it. And we've shown that, if you like, to the to the big clubs in the Premier League, that if they do send a player to Borough, that they're in the right place for their development. However, we don't want to see players leaving the club, especially key players, at the end of every season. However, I have thought throughout the summer, you know, if you're not going to have loan players, then where are the bodies? Where are the bodies who are going to replace these key players? Yeah, they've been a few uh, who've come in, but you've always felt that with Michael Carrick in charge and the size of club that Middlesbrough is that there would be players from Premier League clubs who would come on loan at some point um, and I think one of the reasons that they've started poorly is they've just left that so late Sam Greenwood's come in from Leeds Lewis O'Brien from Nottingham Forest two players who I think can definitely have an impact in the championship we've certainly seen that with Lewis O'Brien so you know I think there will be a positive change for the team going forward but I do think this start to the season is off the back of waiting so long to really set up Carrick with his first choice eleven. Yeah, no, definitely that that makes complete sense. He, they haven't had the players through the door to impact the first few games of the season, and then working with the players in pre-season as well that would have been ideal for him. And you saw how good the loans were for him last season. Um, we mentioned Brian Giles before, but Cameron Archer as well made a huge difference in in January. So he. In the championship, I think to do well, there's very little teams who don't use it with a little bit of help from Premier League clubs. Um, and Michael Carrick did it well last season, but every manager would like all of their team ready to go at the start of pre-season. That hasn't been the case for whatever reason for Michael Carrick. He maybe wanted to get more permanence in and it hasn't quite happened. So he's looked to the low market, but as you said, he hasn't had the time to implement them into the squad as of yet. So um, I do expect the upturn, regardless if it's those couple of players who are going to help O'Brien and Greenwood. I just think that he's too good a manager to to not turn this around. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think the Middlesbrough do, I think, keep hold of the project under Michael Carrick. He would have had big interest in the summer. He stayed loyal to the club. Let's hope the club stay loyal for him. But, of course, he will know results do need to change very, very soon. Uh, Rotherham, their results have changed this weekend. Massive, massive win for them. In fact, it was probably the shock result uh, of the weekend in the championship. They end Norwich City's unbeaten start to the campaign. Rotherham had only won once in their previous 17 meetings with the Canaries. Um, I don't know if you saw this result coming at all. I certainly didn't. 
No, no. As much as I saw Middlesbrough start to the season, I think. Um, no, it's it was a, a massive result for Matt Taylor. Um, they they really struggled at the back end of last year, and it hasn't started amazingly well from the season. But one thing that Rotherham are going to have to do this season to be competitive in the championship is is do well at home. That's always been um, a strong point of theirs. It's a difficult place to go and play Rotherham. I've I've played there a lot of times, and they make a lot of noise. It's quite tight the stadium. Um, and they're going to have to get going well there. And what I do think Rotherham have got is they've got good striking options, I think, with Hugel and and Tom Eves and bringing in Sam Nombe, who Matt Taylor know really well. Um, I think that that makes a, a big difference, that you've got a little bit of firepower at the top end of the pitch. So um, it'll be a tough year for Rotherham, but that home form, like I said, is so important. And to to go and beat a team of... Norwich's quality, a team that started so well, a team which will be full of confidence. That'll do um, Matt Taylor and his players a huge amount of of good from a confidence point of view. or give them a little bit of belief now moving into the next games after the international window. Yeah, David Wagner, interestingly, talking about too many players being below par in particular, just talking about physically the energy that his side brought to the game wasn't really there, but he did say it was a reality check. Everyone has seen how difficult it is to win games in the championship, and they certainly learned a lesson this weekend at Rotherham. Uh, Elsewhere, there were a number of, I think, great games, goals flying in, but the only game that I really wanted to talk to you about was Ipswich coming back from two goals down to beat Cardiff City 3-2 and move second into the championship table. And the reason I think that this result was so interesting was the manner, obviously, coming from two goals down. But I think it showed the strength that Ipswich have, particularly at home. And the confidence now is bringing it. It's a club record 23 league matches unbeaten for them. But, um, you know, until now, I almost felt that Ipswich were, you know, they've been promoted. They're on cloud nine. You know, they're back in the championship. They are a big club, but, you know, people talking about them being promoted, maybe that's a little bit too soon. I actually felt that we saw a real strength this weekend that could, you know, be the basis of a team that is top four, top six. Yeah, I love everything which is is happening at Ipswich at the moment. Again, I was lucky enough to watch them a few times last year. I thought, I'm surprised they didn't run away of the league last year from the performances I saw. They they were that good in possession in particular. Um, they've got a lot of depth now in the squad as well. You look at their bench, it's extremely strong, even at the championship level. I do expect them to be up there. Kieran McKenna, I think, is going to be an elite manager if he's not already. I, I speak to a few players that I know at Ipswich and you should see how highly they speak of him. They keep saying, oh, Dave, you'd absolutely love it if he's your manager. He would. He makes every single player better. He takes them to new levels, which they didn't know they were capable of. And and that's amazing when you hear players saying that. Very rarely do you hear a player speak about a manager in that sort of way. Um, and he, he's making a huge impact to um, the whole, whole club um, from top to bottom. You look at Port Moroni, it's absolutely rocking all the time. They love the, the style of play they've got. We all know they're a good footballing team, but as you said, Hugh, on Saturday, we saw a, a different dynamic being 2 0 down and showing character, showing belief, showing um, that desire to get back into a football match and then actually doing it as well. It's easy to be running around a little bit more and a bit more urgency, but actually getting the ball in the back of the net. And that really shows to me that Ipswich have got everything to be at the top end of that table this year. They've, they've got the momentum, like you said, but I think it's more than that. The quality they've got in that team, the the manager they've got, and also 
the the factor of playing at Portman Road and, and that place is absolutely buzzing at the moment. Right. Let's move into League One next. And before we get to any of the football, let's talk about the second managerial sacking in the EFL this season. Fleetwood Town sacking their manager, Scott Brown, after 16 months in charge. They've had a winless start to the season um, and were beaten 2-1 at Charlton Athletic on Saturday, who, of course, uh, had their own interim boss in the dugout. Um but I, I think Scott Brown, you could say roughly, has done a good job over the time that he's been there. And that's why I was kind of surprised by this because last season, his first season in charge, full season in charge, he basically halved the number of goals that they were conceding. No, they weren't, you know, prime Barcelona under Pep Guardiola. No one really is. But I think for the level, they were a very solid team, a very difficult team to beat. They only lost by more than one goal twice last season. So... You know, if you got the result, if you got the three points over Fleetwood Town, I think you'd done well. You know, he, he'd done something there. Obviously, the start to this season is not what they would have hoped for. Just one point from their first six League One games. Is there part of you that thinks he should have been given more time? I'm very surprised again. I just think that it felt like he was going to be given an opportunity to really try and build something. Um, and it just feels like the... The first little bump in the road. Um, I know it wasn't it wasn't all a bed of roses last season, but I do think that he was he was building something. They were, were playing with a little bit more consistency, I find. And like you said, they weren't going and getting beat um, by big numbers at all last season. And then to give him the the summer, to give him preseason, to get him to add to his squad and and again try to improve on what happened last year, and then to um, obviously six games in, sack him because it hasn't gone well. It is it is a big surprise. And is there anyone out there at the moment who is that much better than than Scott Brown, who knows those players any better to take Fleetwood to another level? I think it would have definitely been worth giving him more time. Um, say six games isn't a lot of time at all to, to really go and make a, a big judgment on how Fleetwood are going to do this season. So, yeah, massively shocked. I know he's... Very, very passionate football man. He's um, football is his life, and that's why I just feel that he could have had a little bit longer to go and really try and build something at Fleetwood. Mm, yeah, the club said in a statement that following a difficult run of results, the club reluctantly felt that now is the right time to make a change to the first team management. Everyone at the club would like to place on record their thanks to Scott and to Stephen Whitaker as well, his assistant head coach, for their hard work and professionalism during their time at the club. They haven't actually got another league game uh, for a fortnight. Uh, that's at home to Oxford United because of the game against uh, Blackpool being called off because of international call-ups. They haven't yet announced their interim uh, for the EFL Trophy home game against Tranmere uh, on Tuesday night, tomorrow night. Um, but um, what kind of manager, what kind of person do you think Fleetwood should be looking for next? Well, they've said they've had they've had Joey Barton, they've had um, they've had Brown now, and they have been going after younger managers, ones who are ambitious, and I, I do think that's the road they need to stay on as well. Someone who wants to really come in and give it their absolute all. I don't think it's a job for um, a bit of a journeyman, a manager that's been around the block a lot. I do think it needs real fresh ideas and someone who is willing to go above and beyond to to make the football club um, successful. And I, I do think that's the way Fleetwood have gone in the past. I do think it's the way they'll go forward. But it's always, it's always difficult as you get into League One and League Two to 
to get the right manager. The, the resources aren't always there. The time's not there to build things. So, and at this time of the season as well, it's about who's available. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a really important decision for those Fleetwood fans that who come through the door next can just take the pressure off a little bit. They've worked so hard to be in League One over the last decade or so uh, and you don't want to give that up too easily. Yeah, we shall see exactly what Fleetwood do next. Big decision for the club to make after a poor start to the season. They've already made one in letting go of Scott Brown. We'll have more from League One when we return on EFL All Access. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hugh Wisencroft here alongside Dave Edwards, the former Reading and Shrewsbury Town midfielder. Uh, lots to discuss from League One and League Two, so let's get through that as fast as we can. Um, Dave, let's start by talking about Alfie May scoring twice. Charlton beating Fleetwood. I know we spoke about Scott Brown leaving, but it was an important day for Charlton because... They earned their first three points since the opening day of the season. They had Jason Pierce in interim charge following the dismissal of Dean Holden last Sunday. And it was just a really important victory off the back of four straight League One losses. How important could it be for the club? And maybe did you see something from Jason Pierce that makes you think he may be given a little bit of an extended opportunity here? Yeah, it is big. It's Charlton is such a huge football club um, and they've been meandering along for a few years now and not being able to quite get it right. Um, but I, I love the signing of Alfie May. I'm glad he's got his goals. Um, big win against Fleetwood. Um, but I think just sometimes when a manager does leave and you've been under a little bit of pressure and results haven't been going your way, just a fresh face, a different dynamic in the changing rooms. I'm not sure how much different it would have been from a tactical point of view, from Jason Pierce and things like that, but just somebody with some real positivity to try and get a bit of confidence back in the players. And, and that's what it looked like. They had to show some character as well to, to win that game. But yeah, I just think having a fresh eye, fresh voice um, on something can really make a difference. And it's a good opportunity now for Jason Pierce. He's he's done the, the hardest thing first, and that's get that win. Um, start to build some confidence in the squads. And I'm sure... Whilst he's in charge, if he keeps winning games of football, there'll be um, a lot of clamour for him to be getting the job. So it's a good opportunity for him. But I'm sure Charleston will be doing all their due diligence, looking all over the, the country, Europe, the world, whoever, wherever it might be, to see what the the next manager of Charleston is going to be. So it's an opportunity for Jason Pierce, but first and foremost for Charleston, for their fans, just to get that win on the board is really important for them. Big result of the weekend. Uh, Alfie Devine's uh, penalty deep into stoppage time gives Port Vale victory at Oxford United. Oxford, of course, having two players sent off in a pretty busy uh, second half as well. But it was a huge victory, wasn't it, for Port Vale this weekend? Um, maybe one that we didn't necessarily see coming. Um, what do you think it showed us about both sides? I think Port Vale, initially, after their start to the season, that that route at Barnsley, the way they've responded to that has been magnificent. Um, I think they've only conceded three goals in the five five games since then, which shows they've learned any sorts of lessons from that slow start. They're going to be difficult to beat. And then, again, you see a lot of character in that performance um, against Oxford. Who Oxford who have started the season so well. Um, to Port Vale to be up in fourth place after, I say, that opening game is, is, is really, really good. Um, Oxford... 
it's I always feel Oxford is a is a team which plays on confidence a lot. I feel like when things are going well at Oxford and they can build a little bit of momentum, then then they can really produce a good season. It hasn't quite happened for them in recent years, but um, they've started the season well. They'd be disappointed in the manner of defeat they did lose Mark Harris for that off the ball incidents that we couldn't quite see on the TV cameras, but that no doubt hurt them. Um, and Port Vale took advantage of that. But I do think both of these teams will will have stronger years this year. Exeter now moved to the top of the table with Oxford displaced. Uh, they beat Burton by a goal to nil away from home this weekend. Ryan Trevitt uh, with the only goal of the game. Um, what do you think Exeter can do this year? Um, it was an important victory for them, obviously, being top of the table suggests that there are a lot of positives going on right now. Yeah, it's Exeter. Of say they've had a terrific start. I went to watch them at Portsmouth, which is the only game they actually lost. But they play very effective football. They they haven't got a huge budget at all. They've lost some big players um, this summer with non-vegas leaving leaving as well. Um, all their goals from last season with Giovanni Brown, Nombe, and. Um, Chase Dancefield have, have gone, but once again, they get back to their philosophy, the way they want to play football, and they go again. And I think it has got those solid foundations from their back three, very consistent. Um, they're Pierce Sweeney, Hartridge, and Ameson, and they've played together all of last season as well. So I think that has that continuity. Um, but I really like their midfield too. In, in Trevor, who obviously got the goal, and, and Tom Carroll, a bit of experience in there. They're a footballing team who, who really like to play. Um, and I think it's built on that that strong foundation in the middle of the pitch. And they have got exciting players up front, but fair play to to Cordwell just to keep them keep them going. There's a lot of adversity against them of losing players. It shows what a good job that he and Extra have done in recent years to produce those players. But um, yeah, he, he, they need to enjoy it. No one would expect them to finish up really in that top half. So to be riding this high this early on the season is fantastic. And like always, momentum and confidence it can take you a long way. So hopefully they can stay up there for as long as possible. Now, I do need to talk about a team towards the bottom of the table. That is Cheltenham, still without a win in League One. Um, Devante Cole, sixth goal of the season. Stop his time, Max Waters strike as well, earning Barnsley um, a win at the bottom side. But um, they're without a goal in seven games in League and Cup. And, you know, we've talked about managers paying the price already and losing their jobs. And you think about the pressure that will surely come onto Wade Elliott now. It, will he be able to withstand this pressure over the next two weeks? It's going to be difficult. It is. Um, obviously, the start they've made, not scoring a goal, losing Alfie May, and that's obviously a huge hole in their team. Um, and they've had a tough time this summer. My my club, Shrewsbury Town, have sort of raided the the backroom staff there, they've lost their director of football, Mickey Moore to Shrewsbury and Marcus Bignett, one of the coaches. Mm. Um, and that I think that would have had an effect on Wade Elliott and, and what he can do. I know they haven't got a good budget at all for that league and they're always going to be fighting to to stay in the league, but they need to score goals. I do like Aidan Keener, who plays, who's been playing up front. He played alongside Alfie May for a lot of last season. Um, but yeah, they, they've got to get scoring goals soon and the pressure will be building on Wade Elliott and the sooner he gets that result the better but yeah. it's going to be tougher than this season I think that's the thing I think if he is if he is going to sit down with the board over the next few days it's very hard to fight your case when you haven't scored a goal in any of your matches you know even if the results were exactly the same and they 
uh, had, had lost every game, fine, but, you know, to, to not score a goal is a totally no, different thing because you're not going to give yourself a chance to pick up any points if you can't get a team that, that can notch. And it doesn't have to be pretty football. It might be route one. It might, listen, it might be set pieces, whatever it is. Currently, Cheltenham can't do it. And that's that, for me, may well cost Wade Elliott his job. But we'll see what decision Cheltenham make uh, over the next week or so. OK, uh, let's go into League Two, Dave. Uh, we'll start with Macaulay Langstaff's second half double. Three wins in a row for Notts County. They beat Accrington at Meadow Lane. Top of League Two at the moment. And I think we're finally seeing Luke Williams' side building towards another promotion campaign. Yeah, I'm going to stick my neck out on the line here. I'm not the only person that thought Notts County would be in the hunt, but they've been massively impressive so far. Yeah, firstly, it's amazing to see um, Notts County and Meadow Lane back in the EFL. It's a fantastic stadium, fantastic football club. So to have them back is is great. I was I was fully expecting them, Wrexham, to, to really kick on this season, Stockport as well. Um, but then after that opening day defeat at Sutton, I just worried, um, is the step up a bit too big and are they geared too much to be in a, it's hard to explain, but being geared too much to always be the better team in the league, um, be used to having the ball all the time, all those sorts of things. And are they going to have to do something a little bit different in league two? But they've bounced back tremendously well. Um, and so they must love playing at home in front of those stand, um, in front of those fans. And they've got some real firepower in the team. See, Dan Crowley got a goal. He plays off the right. You know, Langstaff, that were two terrific finishes as well by Langstaff. And then obviously got McGoldrick as well. So they've got tremendous quality at the top end of the pitch, which at that level in League Two um, is definitely enough to put you in that promotion picture. So if they can just uh, maintain the consistency they've been showing in recent weeks, then yeah, I, I'm with you on this. I think they can be right at that top end of the table. Well, what helped them get to the top of the table? MK Dons stunned by a second-half comeback from Crew, 3-1 winners at Gresty Road. Graham Alexander, the MK Dons boss afterwards, was really interesting. Um, he wasn't scathing, didn't hammer his team, but he did speak about basic errors costing them. Um, what did you make of the two sides' performances here? Crew did, did really well, didn't they, I like Shiloh Tracy for crew. He created the first goal, a bit of um, pace and power down that right-hand side. Um, big result for crew. I know MK Don's been going well, but crew, I think, to to really establish themselves as a team that's going to be in the top half of that table needed to, to win that game. And um, I do think it was a, a good performance from them. Although MK Don's be disappointed with the way they defended, um, it just shows that every away game in this league is difficult. Um, you go into tough places, you go into difficult environments. And if you're not completely on it and not defending, um, as you know, you should be, then you're going to get punished. So yeah, it's a bit of a lesson for Graham Alexander's team, but I do think that MK Dons are another team who will be right at the top of this table this year. And, um, Leco who got the goal for them has been in good form already this season. Um, I do think they've got a lot of firepower at that top end of the pitch. Now, another team uh, who got a wake-up call uh, this weekend uh, was Gillingham. They were beaten by Grimsby at 2-0 at the weekend. They had Gillingham won the opening four games, 1-0, of course, to sit top of the table. Since then, they've lost twice, 3-0 at Colchester and then defeat by Grimsby as well. And Neil Harris has been talking about that fast start to the season, possibly making his players complacent. He says, I think some senior players 
uh, need to have a good look at themselves. There's no excuse for lacking heart. This is another manager who's taken direct aim, although, to be honest, that's all Neil Harris can really do. That's just his character, isn't it? Um, but he's taken aim at his players after this match. Do you think there's any truth in what he had to say? Yeah, yeah, there, there must be. I think he's got a very experienced side. And Neil Harris done a, a really good job considering the tough start he had as Gillingham manager. He's really had to take his time to get a team that he wants. And I think they've had a, a terrific summer in the window as well with the likes of Macaulay Bond and Johnny Williams coming through the door, Scott Malone, a lot of, lot of experience there. And I, I thought the way they start the season, it's going to be a typical Neil Harris team. You saw him do it at, at Millwall a lot, just really efficient football winning games by the odd goal, defending really well. Um, so I was shocked to see these two results back to back. Um, and yeah, again, the goals are avoidable from a defensive point of view. And a bit like what we were talking earlier about the um, the reaction from Russell Martin, I think that at times you want your players to have a little bit of a, a reaction from your words and doing it in public, although it's not... 99% not the right time to do it. I just feel like he's at a position where, yeah, I need to to let them know we're, we're not happy with this and need to let the fans know that I'm not um, content with what's happening from a, a, an intensity point of view, from a hard work point of view, because that should be the bare minimum. So he's gone around in the press and we'll only see if that was the right thing come the next game for Gillingham. Okay, right. We will, uh, I think, end with the football there. We've crammed it all into three sections this week because we are going to take a special look at the end of the transfer window next. All the big incomings and outgoings in the EFL. You're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Hello again, you're listening to EFL All Access. I'm Hugh Wizencroft. Dave Edwards still with me. A lot long to go until the programme ends, but I think an important discussion for us to have because we were straight into the football at the weekend and that had so many stories about it that we didn't even have much time to reflect on the end of the transfer window. It was a very busy final 24 hours. It was a very busy final week to the two-month period in which players can be signed and sold in European football. Um, Dave, and I do want to ask you about just generally wh- where you think the standout business was done in the summer transfer window in the in the EFL. Which club stood out to you? Um, I think I think Leicester getting the, some of their business done really early with with Harry Winks and Connor Cody coming. I think that was really um, good business bringing that sort of experience. I know Connor Cody's been injured at the start of the season, but I think they did real as well also bringing in Doyle from Man City, someone who did extremely well at Coventry last season. Um, so I did like their business. I think the one I really like um, is what John Eustace has been able to do at, at Blues. So that's the Midlands coming at me from Birmingham. <laughs> I'm just Blues, sorry. Um, but yeah, at Birmingham, I think they've made some some really good signs and a solid start to the season. I think I like Jay Stansfield coming in. I think he's a proper finisher. who showed that at the weekend. Um, bringing Dion Sanderson back from Wolves as captain now as well. I think he had a big impact there last year. So to get that over the line, and then you're adding in some some real good quality in the championship. Cody Drammer did so well at, at Luton last year. Um, Ethan Laird, Keshi Anderson. The, the, I think they've done really well um, in that window. And also we spoke earlier about Liam Rossini at Hull. Um, and I 
like the three or four key signers they brought in through the door at the top ends of the pitch with, with Scott Twine, Delap, um, brought in Tyler Morton as well, who, who had that season at Blackburn last year, and then also Conley from Blackburn. So I think for me, they're they're the ones who have, have done really well in the championship, who are going to really stand out, I think, this year and make them perform a lot better. It's interesting. Uh, I think for me, one of the big stories, one of the teams that were constantly in the headlines were Leeds United for very obvious reasons, maybe quite unique reasons, because as you'll know, Dave, a lot of teams who are relegated from the Premier League, their players have get-out clauses. Um, And a lot of the Leeds United players had not really sale clauses, but loan clauses. So they were able to be loaned if the club was, was relegated. And then it seemed like, contractually, loan to buys were the thing when it came to Leeds United players. So lots of them got loaned, but they're actually being sold. It just won't go through until next summer. And one of those is Lewis Sinistera, who Daniel Farker, the manager, was talking about last week, saying that he was very comfortable he would be staying at the club. And then, almost at the 11th hour on Friday night, he was allowed to leave Leeds for Bournemouth on deadline day. Wilfred Nonto obviously stayed with the club, and he was one that we all thought was going to be leaving to Everton. Um... I just found it to be a strange period for Leeds United. They will be, I think, one of the clubs that's happiest for the window to shut. What do you make of Sinistera, well, I say being allowed to leave? Daniel Farker told me and all the other media at the weekend, you know, it was a contractual situation. I believe him on that. But losing him so late will still be a blow, despite the fact they've kept some very good players, the likes of Nonto, for example. Yeah, it'd have been damaging to lose both of those players, that's for sure. And... Um, Leeds fans are no better than than me, but from what I saw of them last season, early parts of this season, um, if I was to keep one of them, I think Nonto is is the one who can really make a, a bigger difference this year. Sinister is a fantastic player. Um, don't get me wrong, but it's always hard for a manager when you lose someone that late on in the window. Did the manager have that prior knowledge, knowing that he was going to go, or um, there was a very, very good chance in leaving and managed to replace him with the right sorts of players? Whichever way it works out, it's, it's not nice when it's that late. But um, I think Leeds have got some decent business in. They've lost some some big players as well. But I still think now that they'll be extremely happy the window's shut and they can just concentrate fully now on the league because there's been so many distractions with the likes of Sinistera and Nonto. Um, I think that Fark will be happy that he can just concentrate now. He knows the team he's got. He knows who's going to be available to him. Um, and then he can try and build on that and, and get them right at the top end of the championship. Um, they have they have brought some good players in as well, Leeds. Um, really like Joel Perot. I think he could be the difference and, and go to score 20-plus goals again this season. So, yeah, I think Leeds fans will be happy that we're now into September and they don't have to worry about losing any more of their players. Yeah, Glenn Kamara and Jaden Anthony, I think, will both be regular first 11 players as well and could really provide... Uh, a creative but also a strength to the spine um, throughout for Leeds United. So I think it was positive for them. Like I said, although, you know, they're not going to be overly delighted and Daniel Farker said as much that they lost Lewis Sinistera. Another deadline day move that was interesting, Ross Stewart. um, He moved to Southampton from Sunderland. Of course, they played at the weekend. He's not fit until... Uh, at the end of the month. Um, but they will have he and Che Adams, another player that was heavily linked with a move to Everton. He stayed at Southampton. Che Adams and Ross Stewart as a, a strike partnership in the championship. What are you seeing there? Well, I think, again, Southampton will be another team who 
will be happy the window shut for Shea Adams. He's been linked here, there and everywhere. So to have him still there, Ross Stewart, we've seen how effective he can be at the championship level. He's a striker who can do pretty much everything you want from a number nine. He, he's a hard worker who can run the channels, but very good at attacking the ball in the box as well. So as long as Ross Stewart can can stay fit for us for the majority of the games, him and Shea Adams, I think, have uh, will have quite a nice um, link up, really, I say, both of them will work hard. Both of them can, say, run into those channels. But Ross Stewart really attacking the ball in the box and then that more tenacious style of attacking from Che Adams getting down on, on any balls that are dropping loose in and around that area. So, yeah, they have a lot of potential to to be probably the inform, um, not the inform, to be the one of the better um, striking duos in at that level. And there's definitely goals within them. And Russell might be hoping that they can be the big difference from this season. Okay, all right. Dave Edwards, been great to have you with us on EFL All Access. Thank you all for listening as well. Reminder, you can listen to us every Monday, 6pm here on TalkSport 2. If you miss any of the shows, you can listen back on the TalkSport app. We're also available as a podcast. You can download that wherever you get your podcast from. Just search EFL All Access. 